Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. And today, we're going to talk about how to find the best properties in these crazy, ridiculously hot markets with really, really low inventory. We're going to dive into it like I told you guys last episode. We're going to dive in at the top of these episodes and answer some questions that have come in online. And every week, I'm going to go in and and start these episodes. And actually, we only had one episode that came in on Instagram this week, and we're going to address it. And it goes and dives, kind of segues right into what I want to talk to you guys about today, which is going to be how to really dive in and find some properties, some off-market properties in these really hot markets with really low inventory so that we can get into this game and really take advantage of these markets that are they're, you know, the the demand that's so high for short-term rentals and really start to add some assets to our portfolio and really maximize those assets for the long term. So let's dive in to our questions. And so today's question came from Jason off of Instagram and Jason had some questions about finding the right location. He said he's kind of spinning his wheels. It's difficult when he starts to look at all these different locations, all these different options of how to find the right location to really to really maximize his investment and his ROI on these properties. And so Jason, what I really wanna tell you, and you guys have, um, that anybody that's listened to me for any length of time at all, you've heard me talk about when we're selecting these locations, first and foremost, we don't overcomplicate it. We don't want to overcomplicate it. We really start with if you had to ask or answer the question of where would you like to own a vacation home? What and you had to tell me that answer, where would that be? And start there. Start looking in those markets. And we'll quickly analyze and decide if that market makes sense. We'll look at the profitability, the investability, all these different things, but I can promise you there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of markets across the U.S. and you 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 take into the world international properties and the you know the the location pool is even larger and you're going to find that there are great markets everywhere and here's one thing that I can promise you, Jason, there are really good properties in locations that may not be as desirable and there are really bad properties in those locations and there are really good properties in some of the top markets that that people would say are the best vacation rental markets in the US and there are really bad properties. So the more important thing is to invest in an area that you're interested in and then understand how to peel back the layers of that onion into where so you know what makes a profitable vacation rental. That's way more important than trying to identify the investability or so what what a lot of people call a good location or a bad location. Everybody wants to talk about where the best locations are. And if you go into these publications, they're gonna they're gonna try to tell you, okay, here's our list of our top 10 vacation rental markets. Here's our list of top 150 vacation rental markets. You'll find those lists all over the place. And it's not that they're bad locations, they're all probably really good locations. But this is a very location agnostic type of an investment. We The location is largely irrelevant when it comes to a profitable property. What's more relevant is really understanding 
what makes a profitable property in that location? What are the profit drivers? What are the average nightly rates? What are the occupancies? What's the seasonality look like? What can I do to stand out in these crowded markets? How do I make this property profitable? How do I how do I rise to the top? What is the difference between the average properties and the top properties? And how does the property I'm looking at compare to in that range? You know, what what do the comps look like for me? What kind of upside, what improvement opportunities are there on the property? All these different questions are way more important to understand than the actual location. And so what I really, and I, I sometimes feel like, you know, that people are a little disappointed in that answer. But the truth of the matter is, it's what, what people need to hear. It's the answer that people need to hear over and over again is, you need to understand the process to become a profitable or to own a profitable vacation rental. What are you going to do to maximize this asset? And it's way more fun to own properties in areas that you're interested in. And so start with the market that you're interested in. Start with asking that question of saying, if I said, hey, Jason, where do you want to own a vacation home? Regardless of anything else, forget about everything else. Where would you like to own a vacation home? And let's start with those markets and we'll look into those markets and see if they make sense. Really the markets that that struggle to make sense are the really popular kind of class A resort towns, right? There's there's big demand like the Aspen, Colorado's, Park City, Utah, you know, Miami Beach, Newport Beach, some of these really expensive vacation towns because the acquisition price is so high versus the revenue that they still make good investments and they still the demand is there the profitability for somebody in the long term is probably there but a lot of times those properties negative cash flow so a lot of times you're the difference between the acquisition and the revenue that a property generates in those particular markets it struggles to it struggles to pay for itself and so if you're looking at the at the return on your investment and the cash on cash returns. Sometimes those markets struggle a little bit, but outside of those markets, and there's still good properties in those markets, they're just, you have to look a little bit differently at those markets, and we have to look at a few different things in those markets so that we can say, okay, we're, we need to find those properties that that, that revenue gap the, between the acquisition and the revenue that a property generates on an annual basis, that gap is a little bit closer and they, they exist in those markets, but we're looking at it a little bit differently. So again, even in those markets, it's still important to understand all of those other layers of what makes a profitable property in any given market, right? And so start with the areas that you're interested in and then really start to educate yourself on the process really start to educate yourself on the market what those profit drivers are what the seasons look like how much does the nightly rate fluctuate during those seasons and you know what is this what, um, what is your what is the profit potential and the difference between the top properties and the average properties there's always a gap and the gap is usually wider than most people think and so you know what does what is your potential look like on the property that you're buying, what kind of upside are we looking at? Like all those different things. And so you're really gonna start to dive in and educate yourself on the market once you select the location. But it's so important right now, I talk to people all the time that don't really commit to a market. And if, if I could give you any advice with these markets, that the inventory is so low and it might seem opposite of what you think. Sometimes we think, okay, the inventory is really low in these four, three or four different markets that I'm that I'm in and I'm interested in. And so I'm gonna kind of dabble in all three of them. I can promise you, in, unless something just kind of falls in your lap, that it's going to be difficult 
to find and identify a property unless you're fully committed to that to that area, that specific location. Because there are things you're gonna need to do to set yourself up to find those deals and be the first one to hear about those deals. You're going to be competing with a lot of different buyers. And that leads me into kind of my what this episode of what I wanted to talk to you guys about on this episode. So Jason, it's a great question, really timely question for what we're gonna talk about today is what are we gonna to do to set ourselves apart? And what are we gonna to do to see these properties, maybe off market properties? How are, we, how are we looking at deals in these markets that if if a property comes on, it's gobbled up you know, before you have a second to even think about it. And so really what that comes down to, guys, it's one word. And it's one thing that we're gonna do and you have to be committed to the market like I talked about before. And you, you're committed to the market by doing a few things. And there's a few steps where I really start to commit to the market and I start to spend some time and effort and energy. You're going, in this game right now, the way the markets are right now, you're going to spend the majority of your amount of time on this on the front end in that acquisition phase because you have to. You have to commit or you're not going to find any deals and you're going to lose out on all these deals. You're going to lose out on deals even when you're committed in these markets. And so by not being committed, it's just a it's a losing proposition. You're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to get frustrated and you're going to throw in the towel before you even got started. And so first, you want to take the time to build a solid team. Right. Once we commit to a location and we say, this is the location I'm interested in. And sometimes, guys, we might have two or three. Let me back up a little bit on the location, Jason. You might have two or three locations that you've identified when I ask you that question. You might say, you know, I like this market. I really like this market. And then what we might do is we're going to go and say, okay, what is the average acquisition cost in each of those markets? What kind of a budget do you have? We'll start with looking in the mirror and doing an audit on our current situation financially and say, okay, can I afford this market? You know, maybe maybe those three markets, there might be one that has an average acquisition of 400,000 and another one that has an average acquisition of a million, but your budget is anything under six. So that automatically discounts the location that the average acquisition is a million, right? And so so we'll look and make sure that you can play in those markets. So as we start to identify those markets, but once we identify, we really dive in and commit. So we, we identify the location, identify the market that we're interested in, and then we start to build a dream team. And there's really three partners that we're going to build and have ready and make sure that our that our, all of our ducks are lined up when it comes to these three partners. The first one is your finance partner. We have to really understand once you know what the average acquisition is, what we qualify for, what loan products we're going to be looking at. We had a, a past episode. You guys can go look it up with you know some 10% down financing on the traditional financing side of life. There's some asset-based loans available, commercial type you know investment loans. There you're you're more 20, 25% down, but you don't have to qualify for the loan. It's all asset-based, which and for those of you who don't know what an asset-based loan is, that really means that the asset, the property itself, qualifies for the loan with the revenue that the property generates. And the fun thing about this space is there's lenders out there that the property can, it doesn't even have to be an existing short-term rental right now, and they will land on these properties. They'll look at it. They run their numbers the same way we do. They use the same tools we do when we're doing our property analysis worksheets. So, you know, they underwrite these deals the same way that we do, and they're gonna say, okay, this property 
is has a realistic revenue of X and they will lend you based on that revenue and not even look at your own personal income. So that can be a really good tool as you move down the line. And we, we're not gonna dive into those um, those loan programs, those loan details, but, the, but your finance partner is such a huge, a huge piece of the puzzle on the front end to have ready to go because most of these markets and most of these deals you find you're going to have to move quick. You're going to have to get on it. You're going to have to make aggressive offers and you've got to be ready to go financing wise. And so you have to line that up in the beginning, whether that's going to be a traditional loan, whether that's going to be an asset based loan, whether you're paying cash, whether you're bringing in a partner or private financing, whatever you're doing, you don't decide that after you find the deal. You have to have that that person lined up because it's going to make a big difference on how aggressive you are and how you structure these deals. The second partner that you're going to line up is your realtor partner. And this is where I think a lot of people make mistakes is your realtor partner and your management partner. I'm going to kind of talk about them both because they're, they're, they're both key players. And a lot of times people think, well, I don't really need to build a relationship with a management partner on the back end uh, or on the front end until I have my property because they're going to be managing the property. But they're both key players on the front end. So we'll start with the realtor partner. The real your realtor partner is such a key player. And the what I mean, I think most people understand that all realtors are not created equal. There are good ones, there's bad ones, and there's a lot of in the middle. And so, you know, I I own a brokerage, I've I've have a license, I understand that game, and I don't feel bad about saying that that is an industry of mediocrity at best. And um, I don't mean to be derogatory about it, but that is the reality as I see it. However, the difference between the, those top those top agents in the markets that you're going into are going to be worth their weight in gold. They're going to be really key players on your dream team, and you have to just don't go don't go on Zillow and just call the listing agent and try to deal with the listing agent on a deal. That doesn't, that that you think maybe that that's a benefit to you right now, but these listing agents, when they get a property, that property has multiple offers the minute they have it. And so they're not interested in, and a lot of times they don't take you as serious as a buyer if you're not working with a professional. Because what they do is they say, you know, they know that a serious buyer typically has a really good team around them. And a serious buyer is going to come into that market with a plan and with a, you know, that is, you know, somebody that is committed to the market. They're going to have this team. And so they're going to be like, I've got 30 people that want this house. And sure, I might be able to double end the deal, but sometimes that becomes even a little bit risky for the agent. Some agents don't like to double end the deal for a lot of different reasons with that, with the agency um, rules and regulations and because some of the things that they're able to do and not do depending on the state. But, you know, even though you think, well, they're going to make double the commission if they use me, or maybe I can get a discount. Forget about that right now. Don't even don't consider that whether that's going to work for you or whether that doesn't. Sometimes that works, and it used to work better than it than it does now, in my opinion. I hear about it once in a while working when somebody calls a listing agent, but I would focus on finding an agent that can help you as a buyer. Now, here's the other problem when in these markets and. In fact, I was just talking to somebody the other day that said, hey, Sean, I've got this, this agent. They're a really good agent. We went through the process. We, we spend our time. We're, we're building the dream team like you talk about. And back in January, I emailed her, told her exactly what we wanted. And then I, I heard back from her right then, but I haven't heard from her since then. 
And I said, well, how many times have you reached out to her? And he said, well, I haven't. I'm waiting for her to tell me. I mean, it's kind of her job to tell me when the property comes available. And right then and there, you know, I'm like, okay, this is just, you You might feel like it's their job. They're going to make money. But these pro- these agents, they have 15 or 20 or however many people that want the one house that's on the market. And that's inclu- that's the listing agent, but it's also the buyer's agent. And it's also the agent you're working with. And so what we do, we really campaign hard to be that agent's top client. We want to be, I want to be the best client that that realtor has ever had. And how do we do that? You know what the simplest thing we do? We ask them. We go to them and say, hey, I want to, I'm really serious about this market. We're, we're, we want, we, you know, we've got our financing lined up. We're ready to be aggressive. We're, we're investors. We're not looking for to buy things at wholesale. That's the worst thing you can tell an agent right now is like, okay, you know, I'm an investor, so I need to buy it at X percent, at X discount. Or, or the other thing that's really common, I need the property to produce X income. You know, I need, I need a 10 or 15% return on investment. That's not your agent's job. Your agent's job is to give you really good deals and at least have the opportunity for you to analyze the deal. An agent should understand your property goals and your needs, and and they should have an understanding of the investment side of life, but it's not their job to go chase return on investments for you. There, it's to, to specific returns, and they're not going to right now. I can I can promise you. Some of them used to, and some of them will take the time to do it, but most of them right now, be realistic about where the markets are at and say, okay, I want deals. I want to be the first one to see a deal. If, if, an, if the agent I'm working with, if she has 30 clients that all want the same thing that I want, and I tell her what I want, and then I just sit back and assume that she's going to send me everything that's on the market, I will probably see it, but I'm going to see it a day late. And I'm going to be a dollar short on every deal. And I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going to wonder, why the heck am I missing out on all these deals? I hear it all the time. Have you ever been there? Have you been in these markets and think, why am I missing out? Well, hopefully this will help. What you should do is call that agent up and say, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, I want to be your best client. I really want a house. What can I do to be your best client so that I'm the one that sees the house before anybody else sees it? And then just shut up and listen. And they will tell you what you need to do to be a great client. Don't, don't you know, let them tell you what they would like to see with you and a client. You know what an agent tells me over and over? I hear this on a pretty regular basis when I ask an agent that. They look at me and they say, nobody's ever asked me that. It's a great question. Here's what I would like. I'd like you to be ready to be, are your, is your financing in order? Yes. Okay, are, will you be aggressive? Are, do you understand that you're going to be competing on all these offers? Do you know what an escalation clause? Blah, blah, blah. They might have a list of things that they're, going to, that they're going to share with you. But more importantly, you're going to stand out because nobody has ever asked them that question. And so go ask them, what can I do to be your best client? And that question alone will put more deals in front of you. You'll see off-market deals. You'll see the pocket listings. You'll see deals that they're going to show other people, but you're going to see them first. And in this game right now, seeing the deal before somebody else will put you light years ahead and put you in a position to win more often than not. And so ask that question. But you can only do that if you're going to commit to them. 
If you're going to go out, you're going to interview them. You're going to find the right team member. You're going to find somebody that is competent, that knows what's going on. They understand short-term rentals. They understand what you're looking for. They have access to deals, right? They're not just have that. They don't just have access to the MLS. I still buy 90% of my properties from the MLS. And a lot of our members still see 90% of our properties on the MLS. The difference is we usually see them first. We're usually the first one to the party. And so they work really hard for us to make sure that we have an, a chance to compete on that deal. And so build a dream team, commit, and then campaign to be their best client. And when you're their best client, you're top of mind, you're going to see the deals first. Don't be the guy that in May is wondering why his agent hasn't reached out to him since January and he hasn't sent any emails. He hasn't been top of mind. I'm checking in all the time with my agents. Hey, anything else come up? No, nothing. nothing's come up. I know nothing's come up. They would have told me. But I still check in so that they know I haven't fallen off the fence. They know that my interest level is still at a 10. And by, by my interest level being at a 10 and me being ready to go and me being able to be aggressive, they're going. I'm going to be top of mind and they're going to call me first. Okay, so that's the second partner that we need to build. That third partner is our management partner. Now, people overlook management on the front end all the time. As management companies, when you build a relationship in, in, with great management companies, especially I love the local boutique management companies. The big management companies, you know, the Evolves of the world, the ones that you see that have big advertising budgets and they're, you know, the Vacasas, Evolves, the Turnkeys, they're in your Facebook feeds and in your Instagram ads all the time because they have these big budgets. They're, they've all got brokerages as well. Maybe your agent comes from one of those brokerages. Sometimes they have great agents, but maybe they don't, maybe they do. I like those local boutique management companies that do a really good job with the type of properties that I'm buying. If I'm buying a luxury property, I'm gonna make sure the local boutique management company has luxury properties and they do a good job. So we go through our process, our interview process to select the right management company. Just like realtors, management companies are not created equal. There's a big difference between the top ones and the bottom ones, and then there's a lot of in-betweens. We're looking for the best. When I go into a market, I wanna work with the best agent. I wanna work with the best management companies. I wanna have the best financing team on my team, right? Those, those, are the, those are the key players that I want on my team. I'm not looking for the biggest discounts. I'm not looking for somebody to give me a handout. I want the best because I know what I can do with the right property. That's where I'm gonna make my money. And so I look for the best management companies. I go through the interview process. So few people will do this on the front end. Very few people do it on the back end, let alone the front end. And so I'm gonna go through that process on the front end. And then, but what, when I do that, they know that I'm interested in using them on the back end. Well, guess what management companies have? They have a portfolio of properties. And many of them have property owners that consider selling and they're the first ones to hear about it before they talk to an agent, before the property goes on the market. And so that's, a, that's the second best source for us for properties are these management companies that hear about their owners wanting to sell and they call them first and guess who the management company calls? Right, they call us because nobody else is telling them Hey, nobody else is on the front end using them as a source of off-market properties or very few people do. Hopefully more and more of you do as you listen to this because it's a great source of off-market properties. And 
it's a win-win. The management company wants to keep that property in their portfolio and they know that you're interested in using them on the back end. And so they're willing to tell you and say, hey, Sean, I'm going to line you up with, you know, Joe, who's thinking about selling his house. He's got this property. It's a little underperforming or it's, you know, it's doing well, whatever, whatever the story is on the property, but they're going to call us and we're going to have the opportunity to look for another property and, and look at another property, analyze another property before anybody else is. And those ones, we don't typically have to compete with a bunch of people on most of the time. We're going to see them. They're going to give us the information. We're going to be able to talk directly to the owner. And it's an off-market property that we're going to be able to have the opportunity to look at, analyze, possibly make an offer on a purchase. And the management company has the opportunity to keep that property in their portfolio. So it's a win for everybody. And so those are the, the key team members that you're going to build. The financing partner, your real estate partner, and your management partner. And then what we do is we campaign to be the best client that any of them have ever had. And when we do that, right, we go into it saying, what can I do for you? How can I be your best client? Instead of saying, hey, you work for me now, you're gonna make a lot of money, 3% commission's a lot, and so I'm gonna treat you like shit because you're gonna make a lot of money and all you're doing is showing me a house. You have that attitude, you're not gonna see a lot of properties. If you have the attitude of going into it saying, hey, I'm gonna be your best client, and I want, and I think I have an idea of how I can be your best client, but I'm, I wanna know from them. I'm gonna ask them, hey, I'm aggressive. I love this, this market. I love this game. We're committed to this process. We're gonna put full service management on the back end. What can I do so that you feel like I'm your best client? What can I do to be your best client? And just listen after that. And then do what they tell you, but campaign to be their best client and you will, it will pay dividends over and over and over by you being able to see properties and be top of mind with those partners that are in the game, boots on the ground, and having access to those pocket listings, those off-market deals with the management company. But even the ones that hit the market, the minute they hit, you're gonna see it first, they're gonna have relationships with, the best agents have relationships with the other agents. So they're gonna have a relationship with the listing agent and you're gonna be putting yourself in a position, even if you're competing, you're gonna put yourself in a position to succeed on that property. So guys, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. These markets are white hot. The demand on the back end for us to make money is white hot. We've talked about that in other, mar in other times, but I wanted to leave you that and hopefully that nugget of saying, okay, there's a tactic that we can go use right now. All of us can use it when we commit to, an a, to a market, building that dream team, and then becoming the, the, your dream team's best client and campaign to be the best client. And a campaign, guys, is something that you have to do over and over and over, right? We have to campaign to be top of mind. We have to actually do the things that they're telling us okay, I would appreciate this, and this is what I'm looking for from you, Sean, and so I'm gonna go do and deliver what they're asking me. And so guys, that's all I've got today. I hope that was helpful. Get out there. We're being super aggressive. We're helping some of our clients right now in that acquisition phase, That is, and it's super fun. Lots of fun things happening on the back end once we get these properties, but it's important that we actually have the opportunity to get the properties and see the properties. And some of these things that we talked about today will help you and put you in a position to take advantage of those opportunities. So guys, that's all. Go make it a great day. If you have questions, go on Instagram, at RealSeanMoore. Last time I said at RealSeanMoore.com, I realized after I listened to that episode, there's no .com on Instagram. It's just at RealSeanMoore. And then 
go leave us a message, leave us a comment, ask us those questions. We're gonna we're gonna actually start doing a really fun thing in a free Facebook group where we're gonna start doing a Q&A, a weekly Q&A for all of you guys on top of this podcast. And so um, if you got any value, go share this episode. We really, really appreciate it. Believe it or not, reviews and shares really help us build our audience and get this message out to other people who would find it helpful. And so go leave us a review. Um, you can also leave questions on those podcasts. We look at those and try to pull those off as well. So guys, we'll be, I actually just got some exciting news while we were on the podcast. Actually, my phone just beeped and I got my negative COVID test back. We're heading to Hawaii in on Friday. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm recording this Wednesday afternoon. So in two days, I'm, I'm going to be on the plane to Hawaii and going to be on trading in some pine trees for some palm trees. And so I'm super excited. Um, We'll be on the beach in Hawaii and probably will miss a week of the podcast unless I decide we... I've tried to do some of those remote episodes. You guys have heard me talk about that and they don't always turn out as, as well as I was, would hope. And so um, we're going to... We'll probably take the week off, but we'll be back the same time, same place the following week. And so guys, go make it a great week. Hopefully that's helpful. Go share the episode if you got some information out of it. Go leave us a review and then post your questions on Instagram at Moore, and we'll plan on seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.